Welcome to the Football Ramble. Fulham are mixing it with the big boys. City are on the march and we're all going to play for Burnley. It's Thursday the 14th of January. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Andy Brassie. Right, guys, good to see you. All still reeling from the fact that Luke Moore rings up call centres when he needs someone to chat to, Luke. <laughs> well, that is a rendition of the story I've told earlier. Uh, <laughs> and if you're going to start off, Kate, on that mischievous front, then uh, fine, let's play ball. Fine, no problem. No problem at all. <laughs> what, what I would say is this, that uh, Andy always sounds so apologetic in his intro. And I'm Andy Brassel. <laughs> It's like that uh, classic um, Doug Stanhope, that stand-up comedian line where he just his catchphrase is, I'm Doug Stanhope and that's why I drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to bring a bit of Newsnight-style gravitas to it, actually. Fair enough, actually. Is that You're not going to get that from going me. For? Yeah. Right. And I'm lovely. Andy Brassel. You're trying to sound like you've got gravitas. Is that what it is? <laughs> Yeah. The irony of that, that Brassel is the man with the most gravitas of, of anybody I know, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't need to try. It comes naturally to the big man. I think you well, should so you think I should, I, I should present it in a more sort of Timmy Mallet-esque sort of uh, <laughs> Yeah, sense. I'd love you as Timmy Mallet, plaster on your chin. I think that'd be really lovely. Uh, guys, we've got to bring a bit of, hopefully let's bring a bit of joy to our own lives and to everyone's listening's lives because uh, it's pretty great out there. And we've got some lovely stuff to dig into, so, starting with uh, Tottenham's draw against Fulham at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Some couple of good, well, some couple of lovely goals in this one, actually. A couple of headers, uh, even Caballero with the equaliser, lovely spinning header after Harry Kane's opener, built from a... Trent Alexander-Arnold-esque pass from Pierre-Emil Hoiberg to Sergio Regulon onto Kane's seal dive of a header. Uh, Jason Mourinho said ahead of this one that if Fulham played a full-strength team, they should apologise to all of us after all of his griping <laughs> about moving this, the fixture. Uh, do, are we owed an apology, Luke? Um, I, I, think, I just think that's amazing, even for Mourinho. Like, I like the idea that he's implying now that he wants to have some kind of say in the team that the other manager picks. <laughs> to be honest, I'll be totally honest with you, Scott. It would be a lot easier for me if you would just you know, p- play a slightly weakened team. I could even help you with that if you like. It is absolutely <laughs> extraordinary. <laughs> Even for Mourinho, that he is suggesting that. I mean, I know what he's doing when he says it. I, he knows what he's doing when he says it. It is still hilariously funny, though. And um, I, I, as a result of what he said before the game, <clears throat> excuse me, he, I was actually quite pleased that Fulham rallied and got a uh, and got a point because I thought they played okay actually, and I thought they they grew in confidence. And perhaps Andy will, will put a bit of meat on the bones as to why that happened. But the the, the fact that Tottenham. Repeatedly, are not sealing games, are not performing as well in the second half as they do in the first half, is uh, you know, a matter of much discussion. But but something I haven't seen mentioned enough is the fact that when you do this at any level of football in any division you want to pick out, every single team, if they're one nil down, feels like they're in the game, and every single team will take encouragement and confidence the longer the game goes on, where the quote unquote better team don't seal the deal and don't. Um, and don't ram home their advantage. So it keeps happening because it's in Spurs' hands, but they don't grab it, and and that's going to be a real problem for them going through this um, going through this rest of this season because the Premier League is going to be decided this season 
by the team that can manage the conditions best. I've said it over and over again so far. And and Spurs aren't taking advantage of, of their of their of their advantages, I suppose. So look, I came I came for I came for um, the game. I stayed for Ali McCoy. I had a great night watching TV last night. I uh, watching the football. And it should be said, lest the listeners not know before I hand over to Andy, that Kate Mason fought tooth and nail to not talk about the show, uh, this game at the top of the show. She <laughs> didn't get her own way. I just made a suggestion. I just made a <laughs> suggestion. Like a I suggestion just... that like you would say to a partner, can I just suggest that you're not so fucking annoying? <laughs> That's the kind of suggestion it was. That was like the suggestion of Jose Mourinho to Scott Parker exactly. when they were coming out the tunnel in the first place. Shall we have a cuddle? Yeah, uh, and that, that was a little bit more than a suggestion. Yeah. And uh, isn't Scott Scott Parker's grimace even is pleasing? I, I thought it was a, it was a lovely grimace. But um, I, I thought um, Luke does Fulham a little bit of a disservice there. Actually, I thought they were better than okay. Um, I thought yeah, they were good. Good. They were Carry they were on, really Russell. really good. And I, I think because of what Tottenham have, have have done in the past, and if we think of what will probably stop them from winning the Premier League, certainly numbers-wise, the fact that they can't press home an advantage after half-time is, 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 is clearly a thing. Um, you know, it's part of a trend. But having said that, I don't think the numbers and what's happened before should make us say that, oh, well, Tottenham didn't win this game because they didn't finish it off. And I think it's particularly easy to say that in the context of Son hitting the post and then mm. even Cavaliero going up the other end and scoring pretty much straight away. But I don't think um, Fulham getting back into the game was just because Spurs didn't take chances. They, they created plenty of their own. I thought they um, they played with freedom. They played like they'd actually prepared pretty well, um, despite Scott Parker's complaints, which I don't really want to go into again because I just found it so annoying. Um, mm. And, um, you know, they, they, they fully deserve the point. I think he maybe overcooked it a little bit afterwards, Parker, when he was saying, they could have won the game. Yeah, they could have won the game, but um, I'm not sure they, they would have deserved to. I, I think a draw was fair enough, but to say that um, Fulham only got something out of this because Spurs didn't finish them off in inverted commas, I, I think does Fulham a little bit of a, well, a, a disservice. Let me sorry because I think I think I've probably not articulated myself properly. I just want to kind of um, yeah when you're when you're personally and professionally attacked by one of the finest football minds in the game, Andy Russell, you, you 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 deserve a right to respond, Kate. If I may be so bold, I'm just going to jump straight back in and say what I mean by this is not that on the balance of the play that Fulham didn't deserve to win or didn't deserve a point. I think they did deserve a point, and I think they you know I've said they've played okay last night. That they did play okay. They played pretty well, fine, and they've greatly improved from the start of the season and. The way that Parker's been able to learn and adapt and, and change the team around and, and completely change their approach is is a cause for great admiration. What I mean is, to, to kind of give it a bit more detail, Spurs are the stats and the eye test shows that Spurs are a much better team in the first half. I think we can all agree on that. The point is they had the time and the opportunities to hammer home their advantage to such an extent that it wouldn't have mattered what Fulham did after that because yes, they wouldn't have been able to exactly in the game. So that's on the balance exactly the of point. play, I totally agree with you, Andy. But what I'm saying is um, that, you know, 
It's about every the approach time, rather than the actual content. Well, I just think every time you miss a chance, every time you you it gives the other team confidence, and they had a, they had opportunities to go two three goals ahead, and they didn't do that, and that means the game finished as it finished, and Fulham are well worth the point. I'm not trying to do Fulham any disservice. I mean, I'm on with Marcus tomorrow. I'll be for the high jump, but they <laughs> they um they they got the opportunity because of the way Spurs um finished or didn't finish their chances, in my opinion. No, it, it yeah. is like a recurring pattern of behaviour with Spurs. I don't think we can get away from that. And um, clearly the focus is is falling on Mourinho because of that. But I, I think to say that, um, you know, Fulham were sitting ducks that were like you know, consciously invited back into the game is, is, is to overcook it a bit. I'm not saying you're saying yeah, that. I don't think anyone's I've, saying I've seen, that. I don't, I, I've, I've seen a lot of they? talk around that, actually. Probably um, not. Yeah, but you should I, stop I, reading I, I Twitter, mate, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, did you, Kate are, we, are we in the situation where um, we've all heard too much about Ali McCoy's now? Because I still want to wax lyrical about... I, mean, I know Ali McCoy. He's, he yeah, he's He would have married that cross from Regulon if he could. He would not yeah. shut up about it. It was enjoyable though, isn't it? And and this is what we always want. I think we three always, well, we eight, I guess, or we, the whole of the football round, will love to see people who love football talking about football and, and being involved in it. And and that's the impression you get from Annie McCoy, doesn't it? Like you say, he absolutely loves seeing a beautiful piece of skill on a football pitch. And he sort of, yeah. it feels like he loves the players and, and in a way that is just really quite endearing to to hear I said the same thing about Dion Dublin the other night in the Marine game you know just that he seems so excited to be a part of it I know some people find it annoying but I just for me I found Dublin is, is what it's all about. like I, I the thing but the difference between the two of them is that McCoy can do it without being patronizing like, I found Dub, I found oh, Dublin like, quite patronizing I, I think he's just not so much of a professional broadca- uh, football broadcaster anymore is he because we know he's you know he's a sort of mainstream guy these days what's he doing there then I, <laughs> well, it's a different kind of event, isn't it? Watching an FA Cup uh, game against Marine. It's a different I enjoyed kind the way, of forecast. I enjoyed the way you corrected yourself there, Kate. You were saying he's not so much of a professional football broadcaster <laughs> as if to say, right, I can, I can take any criticism of Dion Dublin, but no criticism of Holmes under the hammer. <laughs> I mean, that is true. It's a different kind of thing, isn't it? You're not, you're not trying to say that any old... Uh, football you know, is not walking old... up some stairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I can't um, walk up some stairs after a game of football these days. Can you not? You need to stretch, mate. We've talked about this. I know. This. I know. And, uh, and can, can, I, can I also just jump in very, very briefly and say that although I've, I've given um, Spurs the, the rocket for not finishing chances, but um, mm. um, Alphonse Ariola made one or two fantastic saves, and, and he's a big part of the reason he they stayed in the game, isn't he? And we should probably give him some credit as well. I was just going to say, I think Ariola deserves more than a bit of credit because. I think it's underrated like how difficult it is to come from the sort of teams that he's come from, of course, um, being at Paris Saint-Germain and then um, the year on loan at Real Madrid where he, he played now and then. To go from keeping goal for that team to keeping goal from Fulham, it is kind of like playing a different sport. It's, it's, totally, <laughs> it's totally different. The, the idea that basically you're going to have to stand there for 90 minutes or stand there for 85, concentrate and have to do, have the, have the pressure to do the little things very well and maybe pull out two or three good saves to being in a situation where you have to make six or seven good saves a game. It's a totally different part of goalkeeping. So I, I get the impression with Adiola, maybe, maybe again, it's just um, a bit of confirmation bias, but certainly when he arrived, he did get the impression for those first couple of games, he was like, oh my God. God, what have I let myself in for? You know, how do I 
deal with this. And I think to get from that to the sort of performance that he pulled out last night, which I, I agree with you, you know, one Fulham a point, I, I think he's really, really terrific. Yeah, and if he gets bored of playing in the Fulham goal, he could perhaps play up front for for Spurs because only the goalkeepers had fewer touches uh, than Son and Kane. I don't obviously want to go into this too much because I'll get bogged down in the detail about what I think Tottenham should be doing, but it, it does feel actually as though Spurs were overperforming in, in the early part of the season and there's a lot of stats out there that reflect that and then now they're maybe settling to slightly lower than their level so yeah the title challenge was as brief as it was beautiful uh, and if you'll forgive me guys I'd be happy to move on to Man City Brighton. Um, and only if we could just briefly talk about the fact that um, uh, Spurs need to start selling those heated coats that Gareth Bale had. Mate, we've got them in Sky. They're not a big deal. I don't know why you make oh, come it so on. Much. Talk to me about they're it. They're not a big they're deal. A massive deal. Yeah, they're like no, they're not. Really? I've never won one. <laughs> All right, if you think they're amazing, I'll see if I can. Uh... I see if I can acquire one for your birthday. Let's get Ramble uh, branded ones out to all of our listeners for the competitive price of £399. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say at the moment the entitlement is absolutely off the scale. What what? You haven't got a you haven't got a heated coat. It's like you haven't got <laughs> yeah, so you haven't got a fifth bedroom. You haven't got a yeah. fifth bedroom, a swimming pool and a conservatory. Yeah. Mason, Mason used to uh, Mason used to get the heated coat on to explore the west wing of her house when it heated <laughs> the It is difficult to to heat an old country pile. You're not wrong, and, yeah, and of course I can only I'm used imagine. To that. But really posh people don't need heating, do they? So that just goes to show that I'm not. They just yeah. walk around in the cold and and put on another little jumper and You're feel the poshest grateful. of all of us on here. And vicious, the most know. evil, the most evil fish. Mm. Fish so? is a villain, man. He's an absolute <laughs> villain of the ramble, and it's fantastic news for me because I used to be the villain, even though I wasn't trying to be. So now Fish has actually taken villain. it off me, which is great. So this whole thing about him getting bullied by everyone else is that just a, a way of diverting attention? Is that what that's all about? I think he's purposely picking fights with you and Jules because he's a villain. And what's his? What is his aim? What is the outcome here? We can only speculate to maybe to, to maybe um, inf- infiltrate the ramble to turn it into a cricket show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is up at the moment old Vish he's been up for hours uh, watching all sorts going on <sighs> lovely people playing lovely cricket so lovely yeah. to think of that but anyway yes I think I'm just desperate to hear stories of people going on trips rather than cricket um, alright then so Man City did beat Brighton 1-0 lovely goal from Phil Foden uh, City also the best defensive record in the league, Andy Brassel, at the end of last season, you were all over the rebuilding job. You kept reminding us a city we're gonna struggle without it. I mean, is the is the regeneration of John Stones what you had in mind? Well, I, I particularly enjoyed the fact that probably two, three months ago, I talked at length how Ruben Diaz would be a big new piece for them. But I, I went in quite hard on one player can't change everything. <laughs> but it turns out he can. He's not only been fantastic himself, but he's made the players around him better. Uh, better. And I do think that is the that is the thing about about John Stones. The, the fact that he, I just feel he's got better player around him now. And I think that has made an absolutely enormous difference. Not just a better player, a more complimentary player next to him. Because uh, Ruben Diaz, and again, I talked about this at the time, the idea is that 
the sort of defender that Guardiola and the club went after last summer was defenders who like defending, not just defenders who are about defending by circulating the ball, by keeping possession. And Ruben Dias loves all of that sort of stuff. And that has made an enormous difference. And I think you've always needed that sort of player next to John Stones. And as much as anything, I, th- I think you can overlook there's a certain expectation when someone costs so much money. There's never an understanding of that player might still be developing. That player might need to be led along. And I do often wonder with John Stones, I almost call him John Stones there because of uh, <laughs> the, the influence. But I do feel with John Stones, if he'd have had a couple of seasons playing with a 40 games a season Vincent company, that, that would make would have mm. made an enormous difference to his game. Yeah, okay. I think that's probably fair. And I think that um, it looks very ominous now for the other teams around Man City. When you look at the games Man City have got lined up, I mean, between now and the game they play at Liverpool, they've got some very, very winnable games. I mean, it's only really the game against Aston Villa who've been playing well um, that you'd see as a problem. And that's even that's at home. So, I mean... They haven't conceded a goal in the Premier League um, in their last three. They've only conceded one in the Premier League in their last five. I could see them really going on, continuing this run. Of course, they haven't lost a game for ages either. But if they continue this run up to and including the Liverpool game, it's going to be very, very difficult, I think, for any other team to impose themselves on the league in a, in a sim, in a, anything approaching a similar way. So I, I also think we should spare some some time for uh, for Phil Foden, who um, Pep said has got a special instinct, hmm. which is a fantastic phrase. Uh, I love the little phrases that the uh, the managers who don't speak English as a, as a first language come out with. Um, as Andy, I think it was you who was saying last week that, you know, it, we're in a difficult moment. It's kind of yeah. entered the English vernacular now. Yes. That's what yeah. all foreign People managers say. People just use say. it normally, don't they? Well, Pep also yeah, said do. that Phil Foden lives 24 hours to play football, which coming from... Pep Guardiola is, is quite High claim, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. Always good to live 24 hours. Always good to live 24 hours. <laughs> I think so. You don't, I, don't I, want to be I missing out on any of your hours, do you? That would be a no, None of us feel like we're living any hours at the moment. No. And, sh- I mean, he was great. Uh, Raheem Sterling, did you notice? He started warming up in about the second minute to come off. Come on. He finally came on in about the 81st, I think. I don't, I don't know what... I don't know what kind of statement he was trying to make, but whatever it was, coming on and absolutely blazing a penalty over the bar was probably probably not exactly the one he was after. So yeah, a man not looking happy to have been left on on the bench there. Isn't his statement? Isn't his statement simply "I am cold"? I, I mean, <laughs> that might be what it Second is. Second minute though. Yeah, I suppose he could have gone on a few loo trips. I thought there was going to be a bit more um, de- jeopardy in this one because when it said in commentary that this was the only the fifth Premier League match that Darren England had refereed and that he had Mike Dean down in his in his ear, uh, I thought he's. I don't know if you saw it at the beginning. He sort of scowled about the place like a teenager who'd managed to nick some of his old brother's clothes to go out in. But he was actually. <laughs> <laughs> fairly, of fairly relaxed <laughs> um, in the end and, and I think, not um, too much I think jeopardy unlike the previous night the last person you want in your ear when you're inexperienced in a Quite. new job is Mike yeah. Mike Dean bloody hell it'd be like it'd be, I, I would have done that I would have done that oh no no, no exactly no. last thing exactly. you need undermining yeah he must be a tough guy he's a tough nut to crack that Darren England's um, now, 
speaking, returning to the other side of the pitch and Pep Guardiola, it turns out there's been an announcement from, um, what is it, the Federation of Football History and Statistics that he actually isn't coach of the decade. Maybe that was why he was looking so grumpy when they were only 1-0 up. It is, in fact, Diego Simeone. They've recognised him as the best coach in world football in the last decade. I'm not sure I'm totally au fait with the points-based system on league finishes and all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, one league title to his name. Simeone is consistent enough to be the top dog. What do we make Um, of that? I make of it that um, it will be a a huge relief and comfort to Diego Simeone that although he wasn't able to secure a legendary Champions League win as a coach, some absolute poindexters in a uh, in an office somewhere have decided that they've crunched some numbers and nerdily decided that he's coached for the decade. Uh, I'm sure he'd be very happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, as one of those point dexters, do you want to come in on that? <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? I think uh, Simeone's got all the rewards he could ever want in obviously being the highest paid coach in the world. Yeah, he's got about I 800 mean, grand a week, isn't he? Yeah, once, once you're getting that, who cares about any of this stuff? Um, I was just going to say that I, I might be wrong, and I obviously don't know him personally, but of all the managers who wouldn't be bowled over by this kind of award, I kind of feel like Diego Simeone is one of them. And if there's some kind of presentation ceremony um, after COVID has disappeared and we can actually all do these kind of things again, I, I am having a pretty good time imagining the disdain that Diego Simeone is going to see this award in. Well, Luke, he's already wearing the suit. I mean, he never takes it off. I think it's his no. actual skin now. I mean, yeah. he's, he's ready for a starring role in a remake of Reservoir Dogs at any given moment. You know, sort of like when you see like school children going to school and going everywhere in Astro Trainers, just so they're ready for a game at any <laughs> yeah. given moment. So if a game should break out in the middle of maths, they're ready. <laughs> Simeone's like that, I think. Oh, I don't think he should be scoffing. He got 154 points to Zidane's 59. I mean, that's not that's not to be sniffed at. Uh, can we go pop into China before we head to a break, guys? Sure. I don't know if you've seen about this. Um, I'm very much a fan of football clubs being named after animals. And this, there's the City Group is obviously a big. It has a big a lot of clubs under its umbrella, uh, including New York City, the women's team at Manchester City, for example. But they've also got a Chinese League Two side involved in this group called currently Sichuan Juninyu, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, they're looking to change their name to Sichuan Robot Panda. Fine. Yeah, I'm in. It's great. And it's just further evidence that we are all living in a giant simulation. And, uh, <laughs> and anything is possible. Uh, why not? Do you know what I mean? Why not? I mean, have some fun with it. Who knows how long we've all got left on this planet? Let's just have some fun with it. Why? Why not? That's why I'm, I'm in favour of it. Change every There's single a- football team name in the Premier League to a, to a, to an animal name, as far as I'm concerned. There's a pan, there's a band or a pair of DJs, I think, who wear panda heads when they're performing. As yeah. I think so that they can like swap in and out different uh, DJs if they don't want to do the same set. And uh, so, what about getting these League Two lads to all wear wear panda heads? That could be their gimmick. Well, so that yeah, so- could be your way of like sneaking in a star player. Neymar, yeah. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wearing a, wearing a panda head. I, I think that would be absolutely fantastic. I have to say, though, I do think it's incontrovertible proof that Donny has gone and bought himself a football team. 
Oh yeah, I, I don't. Th- I, I think the, the the City Football Group are just a Trojan horse here, and this is this is <laughs> Donaldson FC. Donaldson's tentacles reach everywhere. You know, they do reach everywhere. You can never rule it out. A lot of fingers and a lot of pies. That Donaldson. All right. Speaking of pies, it's time for our halftime one. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the sort of luxuriant quality. It's so meta, that. It's just so meta. <laughs> Welcome back to the Football Ramble. It's me, Andy and Luke here in your ears trying to liven up a bit of uh, a bit of a grey day. Actually, I don't know if it is a grey day where everyone is, because of course, as we know, we've got listeners from all over the world, including all over America and wild, the Wild West. No, I don't know if they are in the world. <laughs> Okay, you said that like you're not. You the only time you said that the only understanding of the world's geography is what you once read in a book when you were about twelve. The Wild West. As as Marcus Rashford has taught us, reading is very important to expand our horizons. So yes, listeners from the Wild West, thanks for joining us. I found it amazing yesterday in uh, in the world of politics. If I may, just indulge myself for five seconds when when. Boris Johnson's put down of the leader of the opposition was Marcus Rashford has done a much better job of holding me account holding me to account than you have. And it's like, well, that's not a put down. <laughs> it's like I've been an absolute prick and someone else has pointed it out and you haven't. That's terrible. <laughs> Marcus Rashford is a man who gets shit done. I'm all for it. It's brilliant. It's amazing how everyone in the public sphere, everyone in, in politics is frightened to death of Marcus Rashford. And you wouldn't imagine to look at him or to hear him speak that he's an intimidating young man at all. Oh, he's lovely. The power he's yeah. been able to exert is incredible. Good on him. Amazing. Yeah, lovely stuff from Marcus Rashford. All right, well, speaking of... That's quite a good segue, Luke. Speaking of being held to account by other people who are much better qualified to do it than than us, it's time for emails. Well done, Matthew Wernham, who's written in. Further to Pete's PBM memories, I frittered away my pocket money on several games in the early 90s, the best of which was by far in off the post, whose USP was that they updated player ratings according to each player's real-life performance. Spending my evenings ringing up fellow geeky child football managers, as well as the occasional strange adult, wheeling and dealing like a prepubescent Gordon Gecko. My PBM obsession culminated in setting up my own game with my tiny customer base made of friends I've made through playing pbms simulating games on sensible soccer on my amiga writing my own commentary for each match and printing (laughs) out the results squads and match reports on my dad's dot matrix printer wow needless to say the workload meant i didn't keep it up for long and my attention was eventually stolen away by the instant gratification of premier manager for the amiga thank you matthew yeah. Why are you not in football? This sounds like pretty much be. what Mourinho used to do in the old, you know, when he was the translator. Isn't, that, isn't this guy the owner of Brentford? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say that um, it's funny because hearing all the play-by-mail um, chat this week on the show as a listener, uh, it kind of reminded me of when I was a kid and my mum and dad wouldn't let me do play-by-mail. And at the oh, time, no. I remember thinking it's really unfair and um, now reading the emails of people's experiences of just talking to random <laughs> men on their telephone, I totally understand why they wouldn't let me do it. 
Yeah, it does sound a bit more suspicious than I initially thought listening to you guys talk about it. It felt there was a guy, uh, Kate. There was a guy. Innocent, wasn't there a guy earlier this but... week on the show saying that he had to go to the end of the road to the phone box? Oh, he's mad! He's mad! He's absolutely mad! <laughs> it's like Line of Duty. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like a John Le Carre novel, isn't it? <laughs> oh, rest in peace, John Le Carre. Uh, yeah, that makes it sound innocent and also quite creepy. We've got another email that I absolutely love, friends. It's from Benjamin Ivanek. Ivanek, apologies, Ben. Um, It simply says the following. Fish, how do traffic lights work? Cheers. And then it's got his job title, which is Benjamin Ivanek, Bridge Electrician, City of Seattle, Department of Transportation. (laughs) Eat that, Fish. But you can't tell Benjamin. (laughs) I told you, Fish wants to be a supervillain. It's all part of the origin myth. It started oh, when he yeah. became champion of Luke's game and treated it with disdain. And I'll be no, honest, he didn't. I beat him, didn't I? That. When was I that? I think you might have done, yeah. You might yeah, have done. yeah. I think, He's Kate, you've, we should probably pre-promote the idea that to the listeners that I think in a Friday coming up soon, you're on, aren't you? You're doing a Friday show soon. Yeah, I think I'm So free, you'll be yeah. back in the hunt. I'm, um, I'm massively in the hunt. Amazing. But it's fish a pelt. It's only a matter <laughs> <laughs> Again, a Wild West reference. Um, the, the, um, the, only, uh, the only thing that um, Vish has got left to do is turn on the listeners. I'm telling you, that'll happen. It'll happen. Mm. Um, you, you want Vish to turn on the listeners? No, turn on them. It's very much a phrasing situation, Andy, not turn on the listeners. I think turn he already does. Uh, Luke, I think he already does turn on the listeners. Depends who you yeah. ask. It depends on Right in! Uh, <laughs> I've got an email here from Tom Crawford. And I don't know why I've been given this one because it's going to take a little bit of groaning to get through this, but we'll do our best. <laughs> Tom says, I heard Jules, Vish and Jim talking about which reality TV stars they would like on their team. And I couldn't help myself from emailing in a reality TV show 11. Just couldn't help himself. In. He just couldn't help himself. No. Thanks, Tom. People have got nothing to do, have they? Um, Strap yourselves in. Um, We're going to try and get through this as as cleanly as possible. Um, I'll take (laughs) questions at the end. Um, Right, here we go. David Maidenchell Seaman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jason Macca, I'm a celebrity, get me out of tear. No, I'm sorry. No. Stephen Kardashian. Yeah. That kind of works. It's that it, it gets. I mean, it does get a lot worse than this. So again, oh, really? please do pause okay. whatever you're doing. Um, Clarence ninety day fiance door. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Le, Le Apprenticia. Mm. Terrible. Uh, Alan Gogglebox-itch. Yeah, that works. Come on, that's quite good. Jeru yes, Paul's Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I don't really get this one. It's really, I mean, what's happened is he's tried to do a full 11 and he's run out and he's, he's sort of got this one in. Neil Shipperly come dancing. It doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> it's kind of Shipperly and Strictly, which, I mean, looks kind of similar written down, but doesn't really make any sense. Shippily. Master Chef yeah. Kikuki, which is good. Um, or Chef Kikuki. Uh, Ian Towie, easy. <laughs> uh, and uh, Alan, the... <laughs> The Real Housewives of Cheshire. 
<laughs> Managed by, of course, Sean Dancing on Dyche. And the assistant manager is Ian Can't Cook, Won't Cook, which isn't even That's a reality the TV one. show. That is so the best not, one. It's not a reality That's TV show, Tom, one. so get the fuck out. You run no, out of come fucking on. Steam That's there, the best one. Fair enough. <laughs> when I was producing, these kind of emails wouldn't get through, I'm telling you. I like how it's not only slipped slipped through the net, but also you've been made to read it. I didn't, I, okay, I didn't think we could sink back down to the depths of the era when Pete, every single week, forgot he was doing emails. So he would just read the three most recent emails on the show, every show, no matter who they were from. Like sometimes it would literally be like, upgrade your broadband. And it would make it in. That's a good little peek behind the curtain. If you want to, so look, send us an email, shirtfootballramble.com. And if you want to get them into the show, do it when Pete is on and send it like three minutes before our record time. Yeah, but 8.30 a.m. you want to do it. Yeah. But it, it, it have to get past Charlie and Finn these days. It's not It's not like uh, the golden era before. Don't forget, <laughs> as everyone says to you on social media, oh, the show was way better back in the day. <laughs> How do you know if you're not still listening now? Leave us a review. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I, forget, I keep forgetting this. Vish is supposed to be doing this now, not me. What? Be, be, beasting the listeners? Be a prick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Vish. And he knows it. But, <laughs> he's a great man for all his faults. Now. Uh, <laughs> of which there are many. I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Burnley. Uh, we're all going to sign for Burnley. And I'll tell you how we're going to do this, guys. It's because Burnley is being taken over by computers. Um, they announced <laughs> on Tuesday that they're going to be using artificial intelligence to help them identify young talents. Now, you know, some debate about whether they are actually using artificial intelligence. I, I don't know. I'm sure that's Luke's kind of caper. But there is an app which I now have on my phone, friends, called AI Scout. And you can use it. Uh, You sign up, you put your name in, you put your email address in and various other details. So, well, when I say I have signed up, um, Marcus Moore has signed up to see if he's he's got what it takes to, to become a Bernie player. And the idea being that you've got a whole load of challenges set on this app. And if you do them really well, the special magical computers slash probably just someone hiding behind the curtain will tell you might, might take you for a, might take you along for a trial. Is this amazing? Yeah. So it's kind of an upgrade on the idea that uh, for those of you who are old enough to remember this back in the day, you could send a letter to a top football club asking for a trial. And the idea was that they felt like they couldn't afford to say no, because if they missed out on not the next George Best, they'd always regret it, right? So they would regularly send letters back saying, yeah, sure, come for a trial. Our next open day for trials is whatever, you know, next month. Um, and what you could then do if you were of this persuasion, and there are a couple of people at my school who actually did this, they would then frame the letter, stick it on the wall and be like, oh, well, I was offered trials at Man United or whatever, right? And this is basically, I think, an elaborate way of football clubs saying, stop sending us emails, just use the app. We'll let you know. It's, and they can do that for the whole country without having to worry about it. All I can say is if you can make it to Burnley, you deserve a trial. <laughs> it's, What's it's, wrong with Burnley? Nothing's yeah. wrong with Burnley. It's just quite difficult to get to. Is it? Yeah, yeah it's tricky. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I, I think... With the greatest of respect to the fine people of Burnley, and you know what's coming here, I, th- I think you really need to have to go to Burnley to go to Burnley, if you know what I mean. 
<laughs> but Sean Dyche already sounds like a robot anyway, right? So how do we know he's not even been... He might have been partly programmed already. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon so. Well, either way, I'm really optimistic and excited about the chances of Marcus Moore to finally, at the age of... I can't remember what age I put in, 21, break into the Premier League <laughs> through through some really impressive dribbling skills. So what sort of footage, uh, I'm not denying your own football skills, Kate, but what Mm. sort of footage are you uploading? Because maybe I'm not quite grasping how this works, but it says you can upload footage of someone performing specific drills. And, yeah, you know, so they basically with, have a video of a player doing the drills. And it, and it, it says could you be, don't even need cones. Like, you can put something else in there. You could just it could use be like a any, can of beans. But it could be any it could be any player. So what's to stop me from uploading footage of another player? You should do that. You should 100% well, do that. I guess when you get called for a transfer, Andy, it's all going to come crashing down. Oh, but once if you you're got listening, Blackbird Rovers fans... Blackbird Rose fans need to <laughs> overload this app with a load of video footage of like a young Ronaldo. That's what they need to do instantly. Clearly. Instantly. Clearly. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, perhaps my optimism needs to, to take a break. But there are jobs on there or there are options on there. It's not just Burnley. It looks like there's Chelsea as well and various other clubs that I haven't I haven't applied to yet. But, you know, <laughs> long run. <laughs> My dribbling is really uh, is really improving under the pressure of this of this opportunity. Let's before we go, guys. Let's have a quick glance at a few transfer bits of uh, chatter. Real Madrid. They are preparing to lay down a symbolic fee of two hundred million pounds for Mbappe. Symbolic. What do we make of this? Yeah. This. Term I thought I'd seen it all. World? Yeah. What, what does that even mean? What is a symbolic fee, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> It, it it stinks of mistranslation to me. I've got to well. tell you. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I guess I guess what this immediately implies is strong, very Real Madridish entitlement, and mm. uh, at least no. a, a, at least a, a, a part um, admission that we don't have all the money in the world at the moment. But um, is it- I, of, of course, they, they've they've been saving up to have a little go at him. <laughs> because that they uh, that they told Jaden Sancho through intermediaries um, last summer that if we don't get Mbappe, we're interested in you. I mean, that, that oh, is so flattering, nice, isn't, it? isn't it? <laughs> so nice. Real Madrid would ha- apparently have to offload Bale, Isco, Ceballos, Lukijovic, Marcelo, and Brahim Diaz to do it. <sighs> Sounds sensible. A lot of admin. Well, unf- admin unfortunately like for Real Madrid, is they've loaned half of those out at the moment and. None of them, with the possible exception of Brown Diaz, have been very good, which does kind of put the kibosh on that plan, doesn't it? Can, can, I, can I? Yeah. So basically, you've, you've had the opportunity to try a lot of these players before you potentially buy, and now you're saying you don't want to buy them. Fair oh, enough. No. Um, can I just please say that the um, the standout story of the transfer window being open, and so we can talk about transfers uh, of. of this last couple of days is the Yannick Carrasco story about him borrowing his neighbour's old car to get to training <laughs> on Monday because it drives much better in the snow than his presumably like £150,000 <laughs> car. I'm picking up Thomas Lamar and someone else on the way. And there's producer Finn or Charlie, everyone's put in the running order. Absolute in-betweeners driving to Thorpe Park vibes. I hope it's a bright yellow car and I hope it got trashed after they parked it there and they had to explain that to the uh, to the next door neighbour. I mean, imagine that happening. You live next door. First of all, right, first of all, 
Presumably Yannick Carrasco, who spent a bit of time on uh, on playing football in China, has earned quite a lot of money in his career. He's living in a neighbourhood um, where his next-door neighbour's got an old Fiat Panda. That's just quite a weird thing to think about. And then he, he knocks on your door and asks if he, can, if he can borrow your car because it's better than yours, better than his. And his is probably a, a Porsche or whatever. In but the don't context you think... of that panda club that we were talking about earlier, I was sort of imagining him now in a panda hat driving along in the Fiat Panda <laughs> and it's like nosing between the snow very cautiously. But, but what does he mean smoothly? I thought Fiat Panda's quite small, aren't they? Aren't but don't, they? Don't, don't you think that Cristiano Ronaldo, when you talk about neighbours with good cars or a lot of cars, don't you think Cristiano Ronaldo would have come off a lot better in his biopic if that bit where he's taken his son down to see all the cars in the garage and goes, son, which one do you think we should drive today? Imagine like he had a, like, you know, a Maserati, a Jeep and like a shitty three wheel van that Del Del Trotter used to drive. I mean, technically you could, any, any dad could ask that of his son. If they've got at least one car, they just have a far smaller choice. It's not, it's not, it's not a brag to do that, but I I think, I think there should be, because in training, um, I'm led to believe, and it certainly was the case when I played football at university, that it, the the worst performer in training uh, had to wear a uh, a terrible old tracksuit that never got washed, right? And I know that some football players do it, some football clubs do it. So if you're if you're the because it's part of like footballer team banter, if you're the worst performer in training that week, I think you have to wear like a Brazil shirt the following week. I remember seeing footage of like I think Joey Barton when he was at Man City wearing it, and it never gets washed, and it's kind of a little bit of a you know, bit of fun. I'd like to see at the very top level, players have to drive the Fiat Panda around for mm. a week. So well, didn't that West Ham knows they've been the worst performer? Didn't West Ham kind of do that? Didn't they? They made a joke of when they had Razvan Rats. When he arrived, because his name is spelt, his, his uh, family name is spelt R A T, they presented him with Roland Rat's car, which was bright pink. <laughs> so niche. Uh, it is very niche. One, because Roland Rat hasn't been on television since the early 90s, from the back of my memory. <laughs> and secondly, he's from Romania, so he's probably never heard of him. Thirdly, <laughs> it's, not, it's not Rat, it's Rats. <laughs> And by, by the um, way, how did how did this make it into the transfer bit? Is it because Yannick Ferreira Carrasco is transferring himself from his house to the training ground? I think it was just. I think it was just. They probably racked their brains for hours about how to squeeze it in, and they just said, "Look, we're not not doing it. So just stick it in wherever." <laughs> so I, think, I mean, the one the one person who's not going to get stuck in the snow potentially, Andy, is uh, Musa Dembele. He's been taking the train to get from what from. Leon to Madrid. It's I know the indignity. Vibes. The indignity, Kate. Plays so, trains and automobiles. Well, he, he was he was waiting to sort of um, make his move to Atletico for a, for a while, which had been agreed for a while. But um, because, of course, Madrid has been completely snowed under, as we've all, already been over. Like Atletico played on Tuesday night in minus seven, minus seven. If you're Kieran Trippier, you're thinking. I didn't sign up for this shit, honestly. Yeah, like eat that Gareth Bale with your, with your warm-up hoodie. Like, it's not... This is serious. You're lucky to be in London. Ex- exactly. So Dembélé had to go from Lyon to Paris, then fly to Valladolid. I'm not even sure Ryanair fly there anymore. So I, I don't know how that happened. And anyway, then get the train from Valladolid to Madrid. I mean, it's extraordinary situation. Also broken his arm in the run-up to Christmas. So if you add that to the front of it, it feels like that Moussa Dembele's got up to go to the shop 
and his shoelaces were tied together. He's fallen <laughs> down his stairs. He's tripped over the bin on the way down his drive. It, it, you know, if you applied Raymond Dominic's circus music to it, I, I think it would really work. I think it, it's got big planes, trains, and automobiles vibes. I like to think that he yeah. befriended a jolly, uh, overweight man on his travels and had to share a uh, a bed with him overnight in a in a motel. Who and the man washed his socks in the sink and uh, was uh, ended up being a shower curtain ring salesman. Uh, that's what I like to think happened. Uh, we let's listen. I've been I've been on journeys like that, and that's just getting into work through London when it's snowing. So mm. I, I can feel his pain. Well, sadly, no need to do that at the moment, is there, guys? Um, but it has been a pleasure spending a bit of time with you this morning, Luke and Andy. Can I applaud you for another brilliant link? I think that's a hat-trick of good links, Kate. I hope they all make the edit, otherwise you'd have been very hard done by. Um, <laughs> before we go, uh, everyone's obviously everyone's talking about transfers this time of year, including us, as you've just heard. But here's an idea for your next podcast listen that will make you think about it in a completely different way. In the brand new episode of Between the Lines, our friend and colleague Melissa Reddy explores player welfare and how footballers are looked after when they arrive at a new club. It's a fascinating listen. Head over to Between the Lines with Melissa Reddy and it's right at the top of the feed. Just search for Between the Lines wherever you get your pods and hit that subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode. Gosh, that's such an interesting one. Because you remember when we spoke to Simon Cooper back in the day, he was saying that so many players are just kind of abandoned at their brand new clubs and it's an absolute travesty, but I'm sure that's not uh, the oh, case man. anymore. The story that sticks to, in my mind about that, Kate, is when um, I think it was Simon who said to us on the Book Club episode, which I think you can probably still listen to if you go search for it, um, that um, when Nicola and Nelka signed for Real Madrid, they hadn't even sorted him out a locker. Oh God, I know. And you imagine it cost about what twenty million quid. Thought about that. He seems on, like on a the, man who knows side. how to get what he wants. <laughs> on the plus side, some support staff go above and beyond. I mean, remember, I think it was Sergei Rebrov's interpreter at Spurs built all his IKEA furniture for him. Great stuff. <laughs> Great stuff. That's what you want—a good team player. Exactly. Damn right. You've all been good team players today, guys. And you too, the listeners, have been good team players. Back with you tomorrow. It's Marcus, Jim and Luke for another massive round of Luke's game. Don't miss it. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you soon. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. 